twin, so I'm going to do this off the cuff. Off the cuff. <laughs> <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Blue Abroad Show. It's Monday, the 13th of March, 2013. We are literally three days away from the first bounce, and it's a crazy week. It's, oh, I wouldn't say it's crept up on us, but... Nonetheless, we're here. It's game week. It's uh, it's season week. And now we're going to start talking about things that actually matter. And that is the four points. So uh, this will actually also mark the fifth season launch show on the Blue Broad show that Pommy's been here for it. So Pommy, welcome again, mate. May and what's changed in five years, hey? Not I- much. <laughs> Well, I mean, it has a little bit, hasn't it? I mean, you don't have the camel jacket anymore. I don't have that garish jumper. I've actually got a proper brick wall behind me as opposed to a soppy one that's held up with bobby pins. Lots have changed. Nah, a lot's changed. A lot's changed. I'd like to think our audio and our video quality has improved from five years ago. It's not as echoey as what it used to be. Oh, mate, do you remember that old program we used to use? Like, yeah, when he... Oh, dear... <laughs> oh dear god you're giving me withdrawals people used to come in and the screen would turn yellow oh god we tell you what our, our development's a bit like carlton's development isn't it, in a way like you know that's a weird tell you what story time with pom you think when we first started doing this do you know what i mean we we had the talent and we had the ability and we had the knowledge and it was in us but we didn't quite have the tools and we didn't have quite have the know-how of the other things. And through that, we've matured. I've matured. I know I've matured a lot since when I first was on here to where I am now. Been that journey where we're still not quite perfect, but we're a shitload closer to perfection than we were before, which is kind of like the football club, isn't it? Yeah, it has definitely been a great journey. We'll we'll definitely reflect on it during the show. Um given that we had the season launch over the weekend. So I want to get a bit of a, 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 a match report on that. But yeah, yeah, it's it's very it's very easy to look past what has happened and, you know, always look ahead. And sometimes you need to just take a moment to appreciate. But yeah, I'm just grateful to be here for another year, mate. Another season. Who knows what's in store, but we're here for it. Mate, I, I can't wait. I can't wait. I mean... It- it's kind of sad though, because when we first started, there was like people with like animals in their profile pictures having pots at me. And do you know what I mean? Sometimes go back and think how far I've come. So, no, it's mate, it's amazing. And hopefully, this is the year that we're not doing end of season content in September. Hopefully, yes. September is still football season for us. Yeah, exactly right. So, mate, we've got plenty to get through tonight. We've got a full game, a full proper game to preview. We've got a season that's about to launch. As I said, we're going to talk about the Blue Broad season launch over the weekend. Um, We'll talk a bit around contract extensions that have come up, fresh news around our, our injuries and or lack thereof, I should say, a bit more around the health of the list and who's going to be available and uh, yeah, I think we should uh, just get stuck right into it, eh? Mate, let's just do it. That's what we do best. Uh, I, cool. I have no idea what's on the agenda today, so I am totally on the fly here. Well, I think we should start with 
the lot of, of good news that we've received today. So why don't we start with, with Sam Doherty, then we'll go to Lewis Young. So it was confirmed that he signed an extension until the end of season 2025. Um, that'll take him until he's 32 years old. You could forgive the club and you could forgive Sam for making it a bigger deal than what they did, given the, the gravity of what Sam has been for the club and, and what he is for the club. But it also makes a lot of sense the way that they just randomly threw it out there for us that he had signed an extension. Um, it's a big deal. I mean, not that I was ever scared of him leaving, but to get commitments from important players on the list, those who are in our top, you know, 10 to 15 players, it's, it's important. So um, that's the first bit of news. What did you make of the contract? Like, do you have anything to say about it? Like the right length of time or? Well, I mean, can I just say before I answer that question, show of hands who when Cowton just off the cuff released a contract extension was expecting in the next two hours someone to be rolled out for the year. Like, <laughs> like I saw that when I woke up and I was like, oh, God, God. And then today when they did the Lewis Young one, I was so relieved it was another contract. I was like, here it is. They've delayed it. But I, I, I liked it because I'd say that Doc, without a shadow of a doubt, is probably cemented that position you'd imagine looking at the people coming through from now till till he's 32 to be fair unless someone really comes through the draft reliable I think him and Cripps have an important role as leaders particularly in the terms of what we talked about at the start of the show they they were in this system when we were really dog shit really dog shit and I think we're going to be looking to them quite a bit because a lot of these new kids coming through are probably going to have it easy in the terms of count and are going to be in the top eight so I think they're going to have an important role in the next three to five years to humble these players a little bit which we do see quite a lot in the AFL when a young kid is giving everything and success very early they can go off the rails so I, I liked it I thought we locked him away for a good enough time and Hopefully at that point in time, 32, Doc is on the way out and he's kind of that Ed Kerno type player where is he in our best 22 and that's the bit where we get to have that wonderful farewell. I'd imagine Doc's one of them players that will retire at the height of his game as well. I don't think he'll cling around a while, but great that we've got him sewn away and a very important piece of the puzzle, I think, for the next couple of years. Yeah, they've done a good job of building... And I don't want to talk too soon because you make a good point. I'm so used to good news coming before the bad news comes. So I, I don't I don't want to talk too soon. But today was seemingly a really good day on the news front, um, given the re-signings and the commitments. And so yeah, it's it's a great it's a great story for Doc. And I mean, it's got to be said, 12 months ago, let's say two years ago, you know, at the height of when we were missing him. Um, or even when he did his first knee, to to think that he'd be signing an extension until 2025, it was it was kind of removed from our thoughts. We we didn't really even 12 months ago we didn't know what to expect from Sam. It was just more around whenever he plays, he plays. If he gets a game, he gets a game. Considering what he had been through, so to have him locked away now and you know until I'm assuming he retires, it, they're they're good little feel good stories. You, you you need momentum in some way, and I think that that's a great one. And 
And I suppose we'll come on to it, Lewis Young. I thought that was a good one as well. That locks it away. One of our key pillars as well. That was a three-year deal. So I think these are the straightforward ones. The TDK one's a lot more complex, if you know what I mean. I'd imagine there was a few people sniffing around Doc, but I'd imagine that story you've just told is probably the reason that people were reluctant to come in for Doc and he'd be reluctant to leave. Do you know what I mean? Because we've been through a lot together, us and Doc, haven't we? As a fan base, it's galvanised us. And I think, I wouldn't say Doc owed it to the club, but I'd imagine there'd be a big part of Doc that wants to stay here because where else would he have got that love and that support? Do you know what I mean? I think that that kind of, we're probably bounded together now, aren't we? Through that process, like you say, two knee recos or what happened, two ACLs, and then the cancer. It, I, I think that, that we're probably linked now together for the rest of our lives, us and Doc, aren't we really? I think so. I, I no, I know so. I, I definitely feel that, mate. We, <laughs> you and I, both shaved our heads <laughs> for him we did. in honor of him. We did, mate. We did, and and so many people did, and I think that just shows what's great about our club. So, and then obviously, big youngie, do you know what I mean? He gets three year deal, and what what a polar opposite to Doc. But what a story, do you know what I mean? Drop for the for the finals, do you know what I mean? At doggies discarded on the scrap heap, Carlton took him. And last year he went from strength to strength, didn't he? And what a show of faith from Austin, just quietly. There's been a few articles I've seen about him recently in the press. Is he good enough? Carlton going to regret it now. Liam Jones had 10 intercept marks in a practice game. Do you know what I mean? Great show of faith, great timing. I thought that on Lewis Young, that the club support him. And he's got three years now to really cement his legacy because he's only a young pup. And in three years' time, potentially, he should be looking at him and Wheater in uh, the premier duo in the AFL. Yeah. Well, mate, talk about 12 months ago. If you had told me 12 months ago that we'd be signing Lewis Young to you know a three-year extension or extending him until 2025, if you had said that to me this time last year, I, I wouldn't have believed it. Because I didn't know anything about him. I had seen that he was playing at the Dogs, but I really had nothing in my brain about the type of player he would be. I, I still remember this time last year doing previews about him saying, just do the basics right. Doesn't need to be a star. You know, we've lost Liam Jones. But I mean, considering the expectation that I had on him last year and, and what he was able to do last year, I, I would say he had a great year last year. He's a big one, isn't he? Because, I mean, I remember us doing our best 22s last year and people saying that he was rubbish and stuff like that. And I think 90% of people had Oscar McDonald as the key defender in that team. And Oscar went down and Lewis Young went from strength to strength. I think he's got a lot of work to do as Lewis. And I think I'd like to see him add this year, him remove the double fist and give me some open palm action. But, I mean, you know what? Going from being the auxiliary to the doggies to suddenly being in the blood of battle every week, I think he's held himself pretty well. And I think he's got the perfect crew around him if he's going to yeah. make it at this level. And I think he's had a good start. And hopefully this time next year, we're going Liam Jones who and we're all about Lewis Young. I think we need to get around him because, tell you what, if Lewis Young didn't work out how to play AFL football, us all crying about missing finals by what? 0.6 of a percentage would have been a dream. We would have probably been bottom four with the players that we had available other than him. So fair play to him and let's see him. Let's see him 
He's got the he's got the faith. That's all you need sometimes. He's got three years of faith from the boys after 12 months. Yeah, no, no doubt. No doubt. So good news there. And then we just, within the last hour, we were graced with the news about our debutants. Now, Lockie Cowan and Ollie Hollands are both going to make their debut on Thursday as per the club, which is a phenomenal effort for the two of them. I can only imagine it would have been a pipe dream for them to earn a game this season. I don't know what their goals were at the start of the preseason. I'm assuming they would have aimed for round one and and sort of, you know, seen what happened. I didn't have both of them. Well, I had them both in my 23. I had Ollie Hollands as the sub. I, I was mindful of playing two debutants, but mate, at the end of the day, like selections made the call and mate, you get behind it hundred percent. What was your reaction? And, and those of you in the audience, what did you make of the, the, the news around our debutants? I had all three debutants just quietly. I, I'm not scared. Um, exuberance of youth and I think well-deserved. I really think well-deserved. I am excited about seeing Mr. Hollands there. Hopefully he can bust out one of these celebrations because those who watch Pominos, we discussed AFL celebrations are shocking and he needs to get one. But I thought he, he acquitted himself incredibly well in preseason. I think when you look at him and Acres, it's probably more of a more of a natural way that they complement each other. You got Acres, he likes to drop deep and use his running from deep. Where Ollie Hollands likes to be offensive, and I think no Cottrell there. I think it makes sense. Voss does like that pairing, and Cowan. I mean, Cowan's been a soft spot of this channel probably from about round six when we first discussed draftees and. It's great to see him because I tell you what, he out of all the draftees for me presents something that Cowton don't have by by a long way. I think he's got the tools already that will do damage. Um, you look at the way he's built physical physical wise, he's ready for it, and I I, I just think it it makes total sense why they'd throw him in. I, I think it makes total sense when you look at it from a football perspective. Um, of what skill sets they bring, particularly Holland's wingers. The six, there's four kgs from when they were last weighed between him and Ed Langdon. I did tell someone on Twitter today that's four newtons of force. So people saying that he is uh, undersized, that's the equivalent of me stood two paces away from you lobbing a child's toy, plastic toy at you. So if you think that's going to affect him too much when his job is evasive, well, Jesus, if he can't play football with that much force against him, got issues. So I'm looking forward to it because I think it's good energies. And uh, I think if you look at how you beat Richmond, you've got to take the game to them. And both of these boys, they, they don't look like the kind of players that would be overawed by this occasion. Yeah. We are a unique club for many reasons, but also there's an extra element to finding out for us whether or not a player is going to make it. And debuting in front of 85 plus thousand people is an extra, it's an extra theme that gets brought to the table. Not many teams in the league will debut players that will play in front of crowds that big. So yeah, we're going to find out if they can play, but then there's that added extra layer of, can they play under such heat and such pressure? And we are talking about a list that less than 12 months ago, you know, guys who were many years, their senior weren't able to deal with that, that pressure for, you know, for the four quarters or, or for that fourth quarter 
anyway, so yeah, we're, we're going to find out really quickly what they're about and, and the injection that they're going to give us, that's what I'm most excited for because both of them in their own right, no matter what they do on Thursday night, whenever they get the ball, whenever they lay a tackle, it's going to give us a little bit extra. 100%. And 15 players debuted round one last year, which is a large portion of the draft. Uh, 23 in the first three rounds. So it's it's, it's not accustomed. It's not... Mm. It's not unusual, really. Obviously, the unusual aspect is we actually get a crowd. Some of the other clubs are playing in front of two men and a dog. So it's it's a big thing. But this is where they're built for this. People forget nowadays the draft isn't like it was 10, 15 years ago where it's just a bunch of kids. These guys are treated like professional athletes from the age of 14, 15. If you listen to Ollie Holland's story, he's a built a bit different. Um, took the COVID year to look at his running numbers and realise he was miles behind, went out and bought a treadmill and spent 12 months running, came back finishing bottom four of the time trial to winning it by a long way. That That's built different. That That's Sam Walsh-esque stuff. Do you know what I mean? If you go back and watch some of my videos, some of the answers to them questions were a little bit alarming. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, I, I learned how to get the feature on Lucky 88 on the TAB and stuff. Some of the <laughs> some of the answers were worrying. But that shows how he's different. Cowan, again, he's a different cat. Comes from Tasmania. And one of the things about him is he's been playing against men for a few years. And his huge boss is he, he likes a scrap. He likes a Barney. And you know what? There's a certain player who plays from Richmond who gave our halfbacks a bit of an issue last year. Um, you may remember him doing this one. And you know what? I'd love it if he did that to Lockie Cowan because Lockie Cowan will make sure he won't leave that ground smiling. I'm not going to say he's going to kill him, but you know what? He, he wouldn't stand for that and he would make sure that he'd never get to do that again on that without having to evade it. So I'm liking it. I'm liking it. I don't worry about draftees playing, to be honest. I, I think if they're good enough, why not play them round one? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like... I'll put this counter to everyone in the chat. We've spent eight years rebuilding. Everyone goes, oh, if we're in a rebuild, we don't need kids. I counter it this way. If we're in a rebuild, we have spent six, seven, eight years building a culture that should be able to protect these players on the field of play. No longer is it Paddy Dow in the furnace, make or break. He should have 20 blokes around him on Thursday night who are willing to protect him, willing to lift him, willing to educate him, and basically say to Hollands and Coward, you guys just go and play your football. You go and play your football, we'll take care of you. And that is what we've been rebuilding. We haven't been rebuilding so we don't have new players. We've been rebuilding so we've got a culture of a football club. Yeah. No, look, it's a different situation for us. We're a different club when it comes to debuting players because of what's around them now. Um, the stability around the debutants that have come to the club now is something that draftees don't see for the most part in our experience watching the Blues. So these two in particular come into a club that's established with their game plan, with their coach, with their off-field. And I guess it's shown because they've been able to slot in and, and earn themselves a game. Mate, and how can you not love Cowan and Hollands? I mean, yeah. Cowan fans... Not one to buy into that blue bullard nonsense, but there is something beautiful about both of these human beings and particularly Ollie Hollands. Uh, I'm a big fan of both of them, but 
obviously spoken to Ollie personally, you know, nothing excites me more because just speaking to him on and off the camera, this is his dream. We are about to witness a kid that has been thinking of this moment since he was two years old. And I am itching to see him go out there and dance around Richmond. Dance around them, son. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, uh, absolutely. The other bit of news, I guess, pertaining to round one was the VFL practice match. So uh, Thursday night, we had a few senior listed guys play significant names. There were McGovern, Martin. I think those were the two that really, I think always had a run in there as well. And, and Mark Pitternet. So I remember saying it after the Sydney game, I felt like a few of them just needed maybe just one more game. And I guess they did get that with the VFL. Do you expect all three of them to play? Um, I'd imagine Pitnet is as close a lock to play round one as possible. I would say McGovern has to play. Has yeah. to play. And uh, interesting fact about Carlton, when Carlton have played with an interceptor, with their two tough midfielders, Hewitt, and Kennedy that extracts it, allowing Crips. Carlton is seven and one. Seven and one with an interceptor playing alongside Hewitt and Kennedy. Massive, massive. Wow. And you've found Carlton have only lost games badly when they've lost them two players and Marchbank McGovern came back towards the end of last year. And you found his intercept ability, who, incidentally, Richmond are the best club in the world at intercepts. McGovern would be ranked number one if he played for them based on last year. He would be their lead player. But yeah, well. you look at how he feeds that midfield. That midfield needs them two workhorses in there. So I think he, Voss, if I know that statistic, Voss knows that statistic. He knows how integral McGovern is to that. And if Carlton don't have an interceptor, that's a worry. I think them two are definitely locks. Um, and I'd imagine we didn't see Durden in VFL, but. I'd imagine if there's an inkling he's fit, I'd imagine he's playing, isn't he? Well, that is the other point because Durden is the one that I kind of had written off for round one because he didn't play in any of the practice matches. The latest update I remember reading, correct me if I'm wrong, but the latest update I remember reading on Corey Durden was that he and Owies were managing calf complaints or soreness or something of that, of that sort. And then the fact that he didn't play on that last Thursday night I sort of ruled ruled him out. I figured that he just wasn't ready and we'd get an update eventually. But there were quite a few people that went to the open training session yesterday who said that like Durden was out there. There was some news circulating that Jesse Motlop had a calf complaint. I don't know where that came from and how that came about. But from what I was told from people that were at training, the two of them look like they're up and about and ready to go. And if that's the case, if you really think about it, we're not that bad when it comes to injured players going into round one? Uh, mate, I agree with you. Just to answer your question, Christian, St. Kilda was that game, um, which you can't really count. The boys were piss poor. I don't think, I think, I think you could have played prime locket and we would have lost that game. But um, no, I agree with you, Terry. It's um, a weird one though, isn't it? I think injuries are very overstated this year. I mean, you look at St. Kilda's injury list yeah. and it's actually vomit. Like, <laughs> I never feel sorry for 17 teams, but I, I kind of feel sorry for them. But I think if you look at it, Motlop, whether it's a calf or not, 
calves are very peculiar beasts. Do you know what I mean? There's been players that have played AFL football with dicky calves. Um, I think the talk from what people were telling me is that the r- rumorings around the ground was that he wasn't quite a hundred percent. He just looked okay. So interesting one. I think the only one who's really out is Walsh. To be honest, that's the only one that you really miss. Williams, yes, you miss him, but I think we've got the coverage for him. I'd say Walsh is the only one we don't have physical coverage for. You're going to have to change it up a little bit to manufacture what he does. But I would caveat that and say Chera looks all Australian when Walsh isn't there so far. So probably a great opportunity in the first two or three rounds for Chera to establish himself because I think that's what he needs. I think he needs a bit of kudos and a bit of responsibility and he's going to have to do it. So in in one way, I would say that the injuries we've got for the first couple of rounds, particularly perfect opportunities for someone to do a Lewis Young. And that, I'm looking at Chera here, get 25, 30 touches, a goal, and then be like, when Walsh comes back, I can do this, which then helps Walsh because then Walsh doesn't have to do it. So no, I'm excited and, you know, yeah. Motlop and Durden, Motlop's one of them players, isn't he? He could probably be 50% and still kick four goals from the pocket. So let's do it. And I can't wait to see Durden because we know Durden just hates people, doesn't he? So he does. Sure, if he's good, he's playing. He plays with an aggression that we love. Um, so why don't we talk about Richmond then? We might as well. We might as well start and actually talk about Thursday night. Here it is. Carlton Richmond, we're on. Um, we've both done our previews. Uh, for those who haven't watched our previews, check them out after the show, after the Almost Blues Brothers, because I'll be on at 8 o'clock. Shit, <laughs> we're here. <laughs> it's happened. We're here. We're three days away. It's We finally get to put 2022 behind us and actually watch a few more minutes of, of new football and a new storyline that will emerge. Um, there's so many different storylines that happen every year and really every week. We just touched on two debutants. We just touched on, you know, contract extensions and um, injury news. Um, but what's the what's the story for you this week? Well, I think this is the ultimate test for the boys. I think this is two teams that probably are up there with the most talked about sides in the off-season. Richmond, obviously, they know the door is slightly ajar for a premiership. They've gone out and spent big money and smashed that door open. So a lot of expectations for us, a lot of expectations for them. And I think the big thing for me with the Tigers is their game plan. This is, I think this is a very, very exciting proposition because it's something that both sides crave what the others have Cowton's centre clearance dominance and their contested work versus Richmond's free-flowing transition. Somewhere between us is the perfect football side. And I think that's what's going to intrigue me on this one because Cowton last year found probably the perfect game plan to beat Richmond, which has since been replicated. We were able to stretch them. We were able to not be fearful of their their exceptional transition game. And the reason you break their transitional game down is by stretching them and give them something to worry about. McGovern started that from down the back, being able to go over the top of them, which caused chaos to their zonal system. And I think this is the game for the boys here. This is the game that the boys will be looking at 
We've seen abnormally high numbers in Cowton's forward half for turnover. Cowton have really worked on that. And you can see that was one of the things that looked good against Sydney. Their ability to transition the ball in the opposition's D50. When they got the tackles, it was nearly 40 points. It was nearly three quarters of our total. That is what's got to be on there. And then, obviously, what's Cowton's weakness? Defending transition, that's Richmond's strength. It's all them subplots here, but Cowton will be watching that Richmond game, that Melbourne game versus them and saying, we can do this because we've got better tolls than Melbourne. And the way that they managed to take away Vlostin and Broad's ability to go airily because they were just problems is a huge, huge plus for Cowton. Cowton are going to have to look at that and go, you know what? We can do that. We can do that. Yeah. There's a few players that really give us nightmares, well, give me nightmares anyway, from the Tigers. Um, a lot of the questions that came in, and I can see some of the comments as well, around this week were around individuals. Dustin Martin, Shy Bolton, um, you know, Lynch. I'm not so worried about Lynch because I've got faith in Weedering. Uh, I don't know what the answer is to Dustin Martin and or Shy Bolton. I mean, I know you mentioned Cowan. Would you put Cowan on, on Shy Bolton? Is that how you would do it? Well, I mean, Cowan went to Heaney and ate, 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 ate Heaney up like a cheap a, a cheap meal. You know what I mean? He did. But, I mean, I, I, I'm not one for tagging. I'm not one for tagging. Weak teams tag. Teams okay. that don't control the corridor tag. Cowton's game plan is built on their ability to go hard on the ball. What Cowton need to do is play how Melbourne played against them. And that's, you don't focus on them. You put a run with roll. And Dustin Martin, historically, aside from the times that the balls tagged him, you find that he struggles when the ball's not coming to him. So Cowton have got to A, stop the source. But B, when you give Dustin some defensive responsibility, that is the question mark that's been around his career in his entire career. So... Whoever's on him, whether that's a Hewitt, which would probably be a logical matchup because they oscillate around the opposite roles. Um, you could make an argument to say Chera and do what St. Kilda traditionally do, which works with Crips. And that's just say to Chera, just get the ball 30 times. He's going to have to defend you. He's, he's going to have to. Dimmer's going to have to make you defend. And then he's obviously going to be moved forward. That's how Dimmer deals with it. Um, Bolton. Bolton, I'm going to be real controversial here. He's brilliant. He's a brilliant footballer. But Bolton isn't a footballer that's going to go and find his own pill and kill you. Bolton, again, is like Dusty 2017. They have to, have to get the ball to him. That's where Bolton killed us last year. He was always free. So all you've got to do is take away that source and that exit ball, and then Shy Bolton isn't scary. Shy Bolton is incredibly scary when he is running out when he's running out in traffic and he's free that's where he's dangerous so that's what Cowan have got to do and that's where you'll be looking at Hewitt and Kennedy to do what they do best and that's stifle the ball coming out of that center not making it clean because that's how Cowan got hurt by Bolton last year it was when he was clean and he was in the open game over so this is we're now talking top eight football ladies and yeah. gentlemen we, we yeah. don't play defensive we we play offensive we take our game to them. They're, they're worried. How do you stop Crips when Crips is doing Crips things? How do you stop Chera when Chera's doing Chera things? How do you stop Hewitt when he's getting 29 of the easiest balls in the world? How do you stop Kerno, Mackay? How do you stop Wheatering? 
there's a lot of worries for them as well. So we've got to start focusing on what do we do well to make them react because pound for pound, Carlton can play just as well as Richmond can play. Yeah. It's it's it is different this year. I, I like last year obviously we hadn't we hadn't beaten Richmond in however long it was. I think it was nine years or ten years, whatever it was. We hadn't beaten them. We as supporters, we had belief that it could, was possible. Of course it was possible. Every you know, before every bounce, anything's possible. Um, but they hadn't done it yet. So I'm not here now saying, oh, we need to do it so we can prove that we can do it. We've done it. It's we're be, we're past the point of knowing whether or not this group's capable. So I take a bit of confidence out of that. I take a bit of confidence around our stability in our off season. Uh, I've said that a few times. I really think that's going to be a, that's going to show throughout this year that, that we've had stability and we've never had it before with this group properly. So I take confidence in that. Um, there was, there was a quote that Ash Hansen made. It might've been the Sydney practice match, but he, he referenced our defensive transition, and he referenced our tactics to create delays further up the field. And it was one of the first few times I've heard one of our coaches talk about that. Uh, I'm really curious to see what that means. And I guess it comes down to being able to have everyone out there communicating. But our defensive transition against a team like Richmond first up, it's it's the, the spotlight is right on there because they will punish us if we're not if we're not careful. And it's going to be, it's going to be case in point. It's something that I mean, I I, I hate hearing David King. He loves having a park out, and probably yeah. as much as I like potting him. But he, he David King does forget when he talks about Cal and a one dimensional, and he's worried. I heard him the other day talk about the Sydney game, and he's like, "Oh, he's worried because not much has changed." And I'm like, "Well, has the personnel, David? Has the personnel? Is it conducive to do?" what you're talking about. And when we saw last year was Cowton not only dominated the clearance against um, Richmond, it was 31 points plus from centre clearances. Cowton also got back into the game by their ability to defensive transition. It's funny enough, by round three, Cowton were the sixth best side at scoring from D50 turnovers and, and intercept marks. So that's a huge thing for Cowton because... Last year, they were, what, 54 points out of their 69 were from it. Cowton, though, theirs was 68%. So we were just a little bit behind the Masters at play. And that is what Cowton will be looking at this. We have never seen, in my opinion, the three most vital cogs at the Cowton Football Club are Kennedy, Hewitt, and McGovern. Because Kennedy and Hewitt allow Cripper to become that extra. And that's why he won a Brownlow. Because seven of them games, he was the extra doing what he wanted, when he wanted. And then the other question for me is seeing Lynch versus Harry. Traditionally, Lynch gets very easy goals because he lives in the goal square. We did see this in pre-season against Collingwood. He's now getting the easy job, Mackay, of we're leaving him in the goal square. Colonel's doing the hard yakker. And then because we've got a little bit of a height on the wing now in Acres, Acres naturally defends his from that aerial ball because he's a very tall unit. That is another thing there because genuinely Mackay kicks his goals because he's a freak, because he's he's one on four. Suddenly now, him being played in the goal square, he'll be looking at their defence, and their defence is very undersized for this one. If you can keep him isolated one-on-one, -on -one, Harry could cause havoc, and we saw... 
that against Melbourne. If you get chance tonight, all you do tonight from Uncle Pom is go and watch two quarters, any of them versus Melbourne, and just watch what happens to their backline transition when Vlostin has to have responsibility. And that is going to be the biggest battle where this game's won and lost. Who can keep McGovern free longest? Who can keep Vlostin free longest? Because they're the two key pillars of that defensive transition. And it should be the best game we've ever seen in the AFL because both of these sides should be a straight shootout. There'll be no going back because they need to win. We need to win. It's going to be a great game and I can't wait for it. Yeah. Did you catch Vossi's comments around the Rucks and Tom DeConing and, and Pito playing in the same team? I didn't hear them, but I'm willing to hear them. No, I, I, I'm curious because I, I, I wasn't filled with the way I, I read those quotes from Vossi around the Rucks and having the two of them in the side was that we would use them when needed as opposed to this is what we do. It was more of a, we know it can work as opposed to this is who we are. And I'm not suggesting that they won't both play on Thursday. I, I'm pretty confident that they will both play on Thursday. What does that really mean that I'm confident that they'll play? Nothing, but I'd be surprised if we went in with just one. What's your take on that? Being fairly firm on this one, TDK needs a role that isn't Pitonet's legs. Yeah, and okay. I think if you watch, again, watching Melbourne, watch Bulldogs, they play a gangly TDK type and a bigger guy with Martin last year. TDK's strength, in my opinion, is forward of the ball. People forget as a junior, he had one of the highest set shot success rates. He was kicking a lot of goals as a junior. I think that that is probably where you hate Rich. Where, where you can hurt Richmond with that extra height, that float. It's going to work twofold as well. If TDK can nail that position, makes it very hard to double up on Mackay and Kerno. And we saw how Cowton and Voss isn't afraid to do this. Cripper going forward, it again takes one of these taller players. And there was invariably times in the first eight rounds, a tall key defender came off Charlie of all players to stop Cripps because Cripps has that uncanny ability to have eight players on him and take a mark. That's the strength I think Mackay and Cripps have over Kerno. I don't think Kerno is as good as Mackay at that facet of the game. So I think TDK there is that rabbit in the hole. And that's how I take them comments. Now you've mentioned them. I do remember reading them in passing. I, I don't think Carlton will go Joel Ruckman, but I do think what Carlton will do quite a bit is they will deploy TDK a lot more forward. And by the looks of what we saw in the VFL and in the Collingwood game, Pitonet looks primed to be playing that, I wouldn't say gone role because that's an insult to gone, but being deployed behind the ball. Like Melbourne fans don't come at me. I'm not saying they're the same league. I'm just giving it a simile that people understand. But yeah, he'll fall behind the ball, which again is what TDK did a lot last year. But I yeah. think Pitonet, is more serviceable in that position because there's no getting away from it. As much as I criticise TDK, he is a very, very good talent, but he needs a role. He needs a role. And I think that role is staring him in the face at this football club. Yeah, for sure. Um, there is another special storyline around this game. Um...
hate to get all sentimental, mate, but oh, Jack Carson. Silvani is about to make history because he will, assume, assuming he will be named, he will play his 100th game on Thursday night and that will make, make him and it will make the Silvani family, I believe I've got this right, the first, it'll be the first time that three generations from one family play 100 games for one club. And it's a fascinating, a fascinating story. Um, Jack is someone that just captures the hearts of a lot of the fans for obvious reasons. And the fact that he's now entering year eight of his career is a little is a little crazy to think. Like we really have a lot of a lot of uh, foundational memories with Jack and a lot of these draftees now. Iconic surname and tell you what i bet he's not thankful that pitch that video he's going around i'd imagine if that was me i'd be so embarrassed but it is hella cute isn't it and it says a lot about what he is i mean obviously jack silvani the name makes him very much loved without his skill level and i think this is a very important year for jack because we talked about important positions at Carlton football club i see there's two that we don't have an answer to one is the high half forward one is that third backman who can intercept. And I think two of them positions, both of them at the moment are up in the air. Someone's got to do it. And I would say that this is the year that Jack now goes that next level. We know he's capable of kicking goals. And we saw it in in the preseason. He gets in the right positions. It's just having that confidence, I think, to take that kick. I think when you look at David Teague and you look at Bolton, they often use Jack as the defensive guy, which I think is an injustice to what he's about. I think that you've starting to see that Voss, he's going to have to play him more offensive because we do have proper defenders now in that forward line. So, 100th game, we saw it last year, didn't we? Carlton are an emotional club. When Docker, he kicked that goal, Mate. you knew Carlton were going to win it. There was something, it was it. And I can tell you now, if, Crit, if Silvani kicks a goal in his undriff in the first 10-15 minutes, probably just underlying Carlton have won the game because that's the kind of injection. These boys need some injection. So I reckon it's going to be a big one. It's going to be a big one. And congratulations to him. That's a rare feat. There's been a lot of great family names in, but the Silvani name continues to rule the roost, doesn't it? Yeah, no, it does. So with that being said, let's get some predictions in. Uh, those of you playing along, leave us a prediction in the comments. What will Who will be the winner? Who What will the margin be? Pommy, how's the game going to play out? I reckon it's going to be a seesaw affair. I do. I reckon it's going to be a nail bite. It's going to be a horrible one to watch when you're invested in it. But one of them ones that if you're not a fan of either side, you're like, oh, this is a great game. Um, I think Carlton are going to book the historical trend. And I think they'll win. I'm, I'm now tipping us to win. The season start started. I'm back. Carlton by 16. Carlton by 16? Okay. So I, I, um, it totally biased, but I, I look at the Tigers and yeah, they've added, I wouldn't say they've added some role players. They've added some stars. I think Taranto is a star. I think Hopper is, oh, is he a star? I don't know if he's a star, but he's a very, very good player and they're going to rely on him a lot. And my theory is that, They'll need some time to adjust to playing with their new teammates. Uh, they're at a new club. They're never going to be as comfortable as what they will be in, you know, 
a year from now, two years from now. But that first game with their new teammates, I just, I'm, I'm hoping and I'm, I'm picturing there being just certain moments where they're just 30 centimeters out of position for a handball because they just haven't played with Cochin or they haven't played with Dusty who who are used to having other players around where they know where they would place a handball or a kick. So I'm hoping to see a little bit of that from Richmond early on. I don't know if I, I, I see a reality where we control the game really well. Um, I think we'll win by a couple of goals, three or four. I think it'll be a standard Carlton Richmond game, even though we've been used to seeing it on the other end where we lose by four goals. I still think there'll be that fourth quarter where one team will run away with it. Um, but I've got a, I've got a quiet confidence around this week. Very, very quiet confidence. Like I think I'm a little bit more worried afterwards, but uh, yeah. Um, having said that, mate, anything can happen and you got to respect the Tigers. I get that, but no, I'm, I'm, I'm up and about for Thursday. I'm, I'm confident. It's definitely one of them games, isn't it? It's, it's one of them games that just draws you in, doesn't it? History of this game. Um, big one, big one. And I think for the first time in a while, four points means equal to both clubs in the terms of that. I think both teams need to get off to a winning start. I don't think it's any more where Richmond can probably afford to drop last year's. They could have probably afforded to drop last year's. I think this year, gone out and acquired some top talent, need to win. Need yeah. to win. We need to win. We. What's the point of winning last year after so many years if we just go back to the same old, same old dropping round one? We need to win two in a row to yeah. start saying this is our tie. So exciting times, ladies and gentlemen. This is what we have been waiting for, isn't it? Yeah. We're going to have a watch. Well, the week, we might as well start talking about it. The the week ahead, man, we're pretty busy. So the Almost Blues Brothers will be on straight after this tonight at 8 p.m. We're going to hear from Rocco shortly. He's going to give us all the updates around the jumper punch tomorrow, including a new starting time. Uh, we've got the uh, the young fellas, Ari and Nathan, with the rest on Wednesday, as well as the live team show as the teams are announced. Um, Thursday, Pommy back on the watch-alongs into fan cams. And then, you know, Friday's review play ratings time. It is a busy, busy week ahead. I, I've got a confession to make because I'm just being signaled by my wife. I have totally forgot on Thursday... I am at My Chemical Romance as part of my uh, treat from 20 good mates. I'll give them a shout out from my fantasy football group. They know My Chemical Romance have had a huge part of my life growing up and they helped me through some hard times. They surprised me with some big tickets for that. So unfortunately, the first watch along will be the week after. We've been mugged off live on stream, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I'm a late out. I am so sorry. I have only realised um, early today when I checked the tickets and was like, oh, shoot. Wow. All right. Well, the show will go on. The show will go on. We'll see you all on the fan cam straight after the game. I'll try and tune in to the fan cams, probably half drunk, singing My <laughs> Chemical Romance after a 20-point win. Point win. No, I love it. All right. I'm going to bring in Rocker because he's got an update for us. So... Rock. How are we, guys? Mate, we are up and about. That's what we are. Let's have some mini before we start. You ready, are you? 
We're ready to rock and roll, mate. Ready to rock and roll. Big year coming up. Massive year coming up. I think I think with we should start with a little preview for tomorrow just to get everybody oh, ready for what's in store. And then you're going to give us an update. So without any further ado. Hello, uh, Jumper Punch uh, viewers and uh, listeners. Uh, great to be on the Jumper Punch again. Uh, it's about time their ratings got lifted a little bit higher. So uh, they brought the buzz on again. Uh, as you know, I've been through a uh, bit of a, uh, uh, well, hell and back. I did see the sign. But uh, great to be back and, uh, and entertaining, uh, you know, the Jumper Punch uh, listeners. But uh, go the Blues in, uh, in 2023. I think we're very close to uh, being a part of uh, finals this year. I um, had three or four TVs that I had smashing with, uh, throwing my remote at them, but uh, that's how passionate I am of the Blues. You keep passionate of the Blues and keep uh, supporting the Jumper Bunch and the boys. Good on you. And when Go do you blues. watch it, Buzz? Tuesdays at 7pm. Tuesdays at 7pm. Uh, the great man, Vince Locasano, and, of course, Rocco, the director and the producer, does a great job. And... Uh, Wow. <laughs> wow. So, first of all, um, first of all, the buzz, he'll be, he'll be our special guest. And um, it's a good story. The buzz has had a, a hard couple of years, and sometimes we get reminded that it's more than footy, you know. So, sometimes people got their own battles. And um, I think it might be the first time he's actually talked after um, everything. So he's kind of been 95% cleared. So it's all good. It's all good. Buzz is back. He's looking good. So, yeah, so it's a big get for us. We're wrapped, yeah. It's massive, mate. Yeah. It's massive. It's been it's been a crazy journey. We're, we're talking about it. We're going to touch on the season launch in a moment. But um, just to make it crystal clear for everybody watching, the Jumper Punch is moving to 7 p.m. Tuesdays. Tuesday, 7 p.m. We think it's a more f family friendly time. And um, yeah, so it's definitely going to be from now on, Tuesday, 7 p.m. Okay. And and what else is in store? Because there's, there's right, a bit so of growth going. There is growth. We've me, Mars, as you can see already with the with the new intro, Mars has worked his ass off, and we are the same show. I'm moving into the 21st century here. So we've uh, we've updated everything. And, um, yeah, so the, the channel, we've um, grown it a little bit. So now, as you know, we're monetized, so we can do a lot of extra things now. So we've put on a couple of extra shows. First of all, on a Sunday, 8 p.m., Vince Lachesano and uh, Joe Lu Luch Luca, I think it's Lucha, from Bangkok. Will be doing their Blue Sunday on the Jumper Punch channel, so they're moving over to us. So that's uh, that's big news for us and wrapped for Vince. And also, then on Wednesday at seven pm, we have got a one of a. This is the first in Australia. Oh wow! It's called. We're going to give you an exclusive here, Terry. An exclusive. Right. We we're going to announce it, but we're going to announce it right now. It's called for ever. Rivals, F O U R, forever rivals. 
four big clubs in one room live and I'm ready to pound them all, mate. The Collingwood, Richmond, Carlton and Essendon show. So, yeah, so once a week we'll be coming on and it's pretty much a big banter session. That's what it's going to be. Yeah, so. So somebody so, yeah. from every club, a supporter from every club. What could go wrong? Yeah. So we got some big eight. One of the one of the boys we got is Quinn from Pressure Point. He's going to be our Richmond. So he's a good man. Yep. Yeah. I bagged him for about five minutes on the phone when I spoke to him. And then I asked him if he wanted to be on the show. And he was like, said, Yep, this is the show for me. Yeah. And we've got a, a really mad Collingwood supporter and an Essence supporter. So it should be good just to get everyone revved up for the year. Yep. And then at eight o'clock, naturally. Legends of the Jumper Punch will come on, yeah. So Wednesday is going to be a big show, a big night for um, Jumper Punch. Tuesday, of course, a big night for Blue Abroad Channel and the Jumper Punch is back this week. And, yeah, yeah, so, yeah, so we're moving ahead, yeah. So I'm um, having a lot of fun and I'm um, looking forward to it. Man, I love it. I love it. The growth I'm is cool pumped. to see. Yeah, yeah. You are... Uh... Have you had a good rest in the off season? Are you ready? Like, are you charged up? you the truth, I did nothing for like, I, you know, I went away. I did nothing. I went away overseas and then I come back and I pretty much watched, caught up on all my uh, shows that I missed for the year, you know, like, um, you know, Better Call Soul and, and all those shows that I kind of missed for the year and I did nothing. And then about a month ago, me and the boys, we got stuck into it and, and started preparing for this big show, yeah. So you know that this year, Andy's on board. He's a big man, you know, and he's part of the couch and he's also going to be part. We've got a kicking competition coming up, a chance to jump onto the couch with us if you become a member. And we've also got one big announcement, massive for the jumper punch, but we'll tell you on Tuesday. How's that? How's that? All right. All right. All right. Well, we look forward to it. We'll see you tomorrow at 7 p.m. Yeah, 100%. 7 p.m. tomorrow, everyone get ready because um, it goes off tomorrow. It absolutely goes off, yeah. So so really looking forward to it. Yeah. Before I let you go, prediction for Thursday night. Um, first of all, before we do that, um, the launch, I just want to thank everyone just quickly. Of you guys probably did, but that was fantastic. And meeting everyone, and that was like a fantastic turnout. And just a, it's just a, a look ahead of what could possibly happen. Didn't someone offer us a whole venue if we win the grand final, Terry? They did. They did. <laughs> so we, I'm telling you, it's going to go off. It's going to go off. But do you want me to pump everyone up now? Yeah. Pump I'm everyone up, and then I'm going to uh, say a few closing words before we wrap up. This is my prediction. <laughs> Go to Blueies! Go to Blueies, mate. It's all for us. You're on the Kool-Aid already, mate. Yeah, why not? We've got to start it because who knows what heartburn I'm going to get at Thursday night. So we'll, we'll, we'll enjoy the Kool-Aid for a couple of days and then we'll, reality will hit us. So, um, you'll yeah, you'll find out my prediction tomorrow. So we make a bit of a prediction, but... um. Yeah, I think it's going to be a close one, regardless. Regardless, so I think they're both going to fight it to the end. That's what I think, and um, yeah, and hopefully it's a big year, guys. Big yeah. year, guys. Massive. All right, Rock. Thanks for joining. We'll see you no tomorrow. No drama, fellas. Love you guys, and we'll speak soon.
Say it, brother. Love. Wow, that's a massive update. <laughs> so, love it. I want to touch on the launch. So, the Blue Abroad season launch happened on Saturday. Uh, I'll share some photos. This is Ian from the Navy Blue Corner. This young fella here, I don't know if you guys remember me telling you the story of after the Collingwood game, I was walking home and I saw a, a young fellow with his dad, arm in arm, they were crying and I gave him a hug and told him it would be all right. They came up, which was awesome. Uh, Who's the sexy rooster behind young Harry? That would be Mark. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, we had a great time. Um, there's me and Oh, mummy and dad. Yeah, mama and papa Degani. And then the the great the great photo is really the two of us here, mate. Um, no, it was really special. It, it was really special, and I've got to be honest. I, I don't usually get nervous, or I don't usually get uncomfortable making a speech or talking in front of people. And Saturday was the first time I actually froze up a little bit, said a few words to thank everybody for getting there, and I looked around, and there was you know over a hundred people from left to right, and I completely froze up, and I was in the process of doing thank yous and I just, I just dropped the ball. I completely dropped the ball. So I, I wanted to make sure that I didn't miss anybody. Um, but there's a number of people that, that go into this and that have gone into this. Um, you know, a lot of times I'll, I'll get a lot of kudos and people will say, thanks for what you built. But to be honest with you, nothing really, nothing like this happens without a number of people who have made this, this channel, what it is. Um, people all the way from, from Let dog who's helped us out along the way. He jumps on stream, literally, at the click of a finger, uh, features pretty heavily on the team show. Um, Jasmina and Tori, our newest additions, we love what they're doing. Um, Kira and Shannon, who co-host the AFLW show, which let's be honest, it's the hardest gig on the channel. <laughs> it's the hardest gig on the channel and I'm really grateful for the two of them. Um, we've got Willem, video editor for all the little clips on Instagram. He's been a champion um, young Ethan Aliano, who I, I met when he was 16 years old, and to be able to see him find opportunities with you know the NBL, the A League, and, and everything else, it's been incredible to see him. And, and I'm very grateful to know that I've got the best thumbnails in the league because of Ethan. Um, and then and then we go to you know Ari and Nathan, who I would consider to be the next generation of the content creators of the channel, who host the rest, and they've done a phenomenal job. And they literally just sponge everything I say, and it's been awesome. Then there's the Almost Blues Brothers, who you'll hear from in a couple of minutes. But, you know, to be able to work with Joe, Dan, and Jules, it's 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 amazing. Like, Joe Joe reached out a few years ago and started writing and then started doing audio. And and to see him just go and lead a team and, and, and do his thing has been remarkable. So that's been awesome. You just heard from Rocco. Um, it's been great to, to go from Rocco on the fan cams in 2019 to hosting a an entire YouTube channel now with, with, with Paul Sebastiani, who's well, SEN zone, Paul Sebastiani and, and Mars as well. So a massive thank you to them. And then last but not least is the man sitting next to me, Pommy, mate, you, like I tell you off camera, I call you and I tell you, but just, it, it really should be acknowledged how far you've come and when we met and what you've been able to build for yourself. Um, you've done it. You've done it on your own. You're one of the hardest working people I've seen, period, with what you do. And your your kudos, your proper kudos will come all in good time. And it's it's been remarkable. So on behalf of the channel, I want to thank you. I want to thank everybody else that contributes. And uh, it's super humbling and it's incredibly overwhelming to see what we've got at the moment.
Mate, I, I couldn't agree more. And a huge thank you to you. And, you know, honestly, I mean, when I first came across you, without being soppy, the, the big thanks goes to Terry and you guys and girls at home. When I was first came on here about five years ago, I'm going to be honest, I fucking hated it here. I hated Australia. I wanted to go home. I just had another kid. I felt trapped. I felt like the rest of my life was going to be stuck in a place that didn't feel like home and didn't feel like I belonged. And every bit of me wanted to go home. Every bit. And then you guys came into my life. Terry took an opportunity on me. And honestly, every day I felt more and more at home. And to be welcomed into a community that is so strong like this. You guys have no idea how much all of you, Terry and chat have touched my heart and made my life better. When my Mrs. Pond went through her mental health battle three years ago, there was times I am not going to lie and give it the big one that I would sit on this very chair. I'm sat now and I would just cry. I'd lock myself in a room and cry and just hate my life. But then when I click go live, being able to pretend to be someone else for two hours and be happy for you guys somehow made me happy because I realized that I was going through this together. And every one of you in here today, I probably wouldn't have been here from with, without all of you because I reckon I would have probably quit, quit life or just ran away or done something stupid. So honestly... I am part of the best community in the world. And just remember the power you guys have, you guys and girls have. You can just, whether you're on Blue Abroad or not, you just by being in the comments, saying a nice little thing to someone, you don't know who you are helping in your life. You don't know who. And honestly, I may have helped you guys and girls somewhere, but I'll be forever indebted to all of you and particularly the big man there. Because I tell you what, off camera, I'm a bit of a diva, just so you know. Have my moments, throw my toys out of the pram. Fucking probably quit this show about 150 times during them period. And Terry cops the most abuse out of anyone. So honestly, I love you all from the bottom of my blue heart. I love you all. Mate, love you. Love everybody. Almost Blues Brothers coming up Thursday night. Let's go. Go Blues. Let's go and fucking kill some tigers. Come on, Blues! <laughs>